What's good, y'all? My name is Jonathan Dumas, and this is the Real Talk with Dumas podcast, where I have real conversations with the people I see every day because we don't know what we miss until we miss them. And y'all, I got a dope conversation this week. I know I say that every week, and I say that because it's true. Um, But just before we get to that, uh, I have a couple of reminders. The number one, the Real Fan Patreon page is live and up. And from a supporting range starting at $3 a month, you are essentially buying me a coffee each month. And in return, you are not only getting a great podcast with dope conversations, you are also supporting RTWD and joining a dope community. So check out the link in the show notes or head over to patreon.com slash realtalkwithdumas to sign up. Number two, there are still a few spots available for the RTWD group coaching cohort. For those interested, click on the link in the show notes again. Uh, be sure to include the code building our own tables in the inquiry form. That way you can take advantage of an RTWD exclusive discount. All right, on to the episode. If you didn't know, the 2021 Tokyo Summer Olympics are jumping off this week and athletes from across the world are set to do some amazing shit as always. Um, I'm a big fan of uh, the Olympics, especially the summer ones. There are a ton of storylines that have already come out leading up to the Olympics already. I mean, so many. But one in particular surrounds the women's national soccer team's ongoing lawsuit for equal pay. The guest this week is perfect to go into the finer points of the lawsuit. So let me introduce y'all to Jackie Gutierrez, aka Jackie G. What up? Jackie is a sports journalist and founder of Women Kickballs an independent news source that exists to capture women's soccer in an authentic voice. We chop it up about how she started writing, the support she has had from her family, shout out Uncle Joe, and the importance of equality in professional sports. Jackie is an absolute boss and was fun, so fun, to connect with her. Please go support her. I put all of her information in the show notes. So subscribe to the newsletter and follow on all of the socials. All right, y'all. Here's Jackie. Who is Jackie? Like, who are you? Like, tell the folks, tell the the fam who you are. All right. Yeah. So um, I've learned in college, like halfway through, people started calling me Jackie G. And I was like, whoa, throw back to high school because that's what kids called me then. Okay. So I feel like that kind of just clicked where it was like, Jackie G this. And I'm like, okay, I guess that's the thing. So (laughs) um, yeah, Jackie G. um, I guess how I describe myself is... Oh, gosh, I don't know where to begin. But um, basically, ever since I was 17 years old, I was like, I want to write about women's soccer and um, be a professional sports journalist. But, you know, I have no idea, like, what to do, how to get there. But, like, that sounds really cool, and I want to do it. And I grew up playing soccer for nearly 10 years. So my life was, like, all about soccer. Um, My family was a typical family, like, soccer family. They always came to my tournaments. My brother was my coach. And so my family was very embedded in soccer. And I think for me, it was just, um, yeah, when I look back on my life, like, that was one of my main things that I think I just really enjoyed because of that family aspect. But then it just made me, um, yeah, as an athlete, it was just so fun. And, like, the challenges of, like, playing defense and, like, you know, kind of like pushing the forwards a little bit and seeing what I can get away with on the field. And so, yeah, I definitely just loved it. And then in high school, um, senior year, I ran into some health issues. And so I decided to stop playing. And that was so difficult. And I was like, oh, my gosh, like, you know, identity crisis, what's going to happen? And um, I remember my Uncle Joe, he just asked me, like, what do you want to do after high school? I was like, well, I love writing. Like, I I just I really enjoy it. I just don't know what I want to write about. 
Um, I said, but I think I want to be a sports journalist when soccer. And he just encouraged me to like start writing. And in my mind, I was thinking like, what the heck, dude? Like, no, you just go to school, like, you know, learn the things, then get a job and then start writing. Like, you know, so I'm very glad I didn't listen to my high school self. Cause yeah, that'd be terrible. But, um, yeah, so I started writing at 17 and since then, you know, got a lot of really incredible opportunities, um, writing for major publications. And so, um, yeah, I also the past few years have gotten more into the marketing side of things when it comes to photography and video and gosh, graphics and all these things. And so that's been pretty fun to like incorporate that passion into what I do with my current business. And so, yeah, it's been like just wild, but, um, yeah, I do a lot of like graphics and marketing, um, and yeah, I don't know how else to like fully describe myself, yeah, yeah, yeah. but yeah, also I guess like a current grad student, um, studying journalism. So I feel like it's been really cool to see these different aspects of my life when it comes to like my full-time marketing job in the construction industry, mm-hmm. <laughs> my business, women kick balls and soccer, and then school. And they're th- like three totally different playing fields, but they all kind of overlap in some way. And so for me, that's been like really fascinating and just growing as a whole in all those areas is like crazy and weird but again they somehow sync and so it's been like really cool to kind of navigate that and um learn and just kind of own that entrepreneurship role even though I was like what the heck like you know owning a business yeah. <laughs> or like starting a, like a you know a website is insane and now it's like what I do and even as a freelancer and so yeah I absolutely love it yeah yeah, yeah. you've gotten some really dope opportunities and I think when I first remember um hearing about I think I no, did I hear about women kick balls first, or I think I heard Are you about from huh? Oh, okay. Like I think I, I heard about women kick balls first because I was reading your bio on your website, yeah, yeah. and like you had a couple of you had another website that you're doing, and then you decided to branch out and do your own. So I think I caught on to like women kick balls, and you started yeah. doing journalism and stuff like that, and I was like, oh, this is this is cool. And then like <laughs> I saw a picture of you like in a press box. And I was like, yeah. what the heck? <laughs> yeah. I, mean, I remember like seeing you and Lindsay at that game, whenever that was. I don't know, because 2020 was so weird. But seeing you both at that game, I was like, it's cool because I never, in the press box, you're on your own. You're kind of alone in the sense of like, you don't have your friends or family there, obviously. But um, you have colleagues there. And so it was really cool just to meet up with you both at halftime because it was like, oh, yeah, like, here's like the personal side of like, you know, people that I know and whatnot. And so it was really cool to just talk with you both. And I feel like I can talk with both of you about soccer and whatnot forever. So yeah, it was just like fun to see a familiar face, like literally in the crowd um, and to just kind of like hop in and like see you both and like go back. And it was kind of like, oh, yeah, I, like we were just kind of hopping back into that mindset of the press box and interviewing. And, and yeah, that's always like fun going to game days. Yeah, sweet. For you, what was like that spark that said like, oh, I, I could actually do this. Like, I want to do this beyond just your love of soccer, right? Right. Yeah. Um, I think when I, yeah, when I think back to that conversation with my Uncle Joe, um, I mean, obviously, you know, like with your parents, they are like always hardcore, like, yeah, you can do anything and like, we'll support you, which is cool. Um, and not to like knock their support whatsoever. But I think growing up, I just really heard like their support, you know, obviously at games and in school and everything that I did. But to hear like someone like, like my Uncle Joe, who is a professional, he um, yeah, he is just like insanely talented at what he does. He's a lawyer. And so he has this universal like business business language. And I feel like even though he's not in the soccer world, um, he has this outsider's perspective of like a mentor. And so just hearing his like the way that he was talking about 
like the influence and potential of my writing at such a young age, I was like, whoa, like what the heck? Someone else sees this? Like that's kind of crazy. Mm-hmm. And so I think just, yeah, like my uncle Joe, I always like credit it to him just because um, he, yeah, he's just very inspiring to me. And like seeing the way that his career played out where later on in life, he, you know, went to law school and became a lawyer. Um, and I'll talk to him now and, and be like, wow, that's just so incredible, like what you've done. And he's like, honestly, I never had the confidence that like you see me now, as he said, I was always very hesitant. And um, so I think just hearing his insight as to like, don't hold back and like, you never know what could happen. Um, that just kind of brought about uh, brought about like a lot of possibilities, like, oh, what could happen? And it's crazy because the things that he predicted about my career or who I am at a young age are like happening now. And I'm like, what the heck? Like, <laughs> this is a trip. Who paid this guy? Yeah. <laughs> like, what apprentices? <laughs> and it's just so incredible to, again, kind of see someone, you know, outside of like your immediate close knit family of your parents or siblings. Um, but to see someone like him who, again, has just this, you know, professionalism to him. And um, yeah, I think for me, that was just inspiring to like always hear him like, like not just say these things and like, you know, like here, like have this dream, but then to like, every time I saw him, he checked in on me and he was like, Jack, what are you working on? What articles are you writing? Like he was very adamant about, um, being intentional in those conversations. And then, you know, he financially supports me and what I do and and paying for my website and different things. So I'm all about like people's actions. And I definitely see his actions go beyond like, Hey, I think you're a good writer. It's like, here's this business plan. Like, how are we going to like fit, like, you know, make it work. And, um, yeah, I always just go to him about advice or questions. Um, and so I think having like an outsider perspective definitely, yeah, just really helps me in like what I do, because again, it kind of, as an entrepreneur, you know, like doing your own thing, even I'm sure with your podcast, um, you know, at times it can feel like lonely or like, what am I doing? Like, I don't have coworkers. And so, to have like a mentor like that, I think really just was such a game changer. So I would, I would definitely say my uncle Joe, um, again, it just kind of goes back to him and just the belief and encouragement that he gave me at such a young age. That's awesome. That's so cool. I, I love to hear that. And even from my own experience, one of the most impl- one of the things that keeps me going and, and pushes me and, and helps is like having that belief in what I'm doing and what I'm creating and what I'm putting out in the world. And I think a big part of that for me has been lens like lens is been just yeah. an incredible support system for me to like keep this this podcast going and holding me accountable and like investing <laughs> in me and allow me to spend you know um money on on this like stuff that seems like frivolous and am I gonna keep am I gonna be podcasting six months from now I don't know <laughs> um, you know what I'm saying so it it, it really right. does um it really does help you it really inspires you it just like motivates you to keep going to have somebody that believes in you more than you believe in yourself believes in your dream yeah. more than you And I think like how you were saying, I mean, I'm sure you know this, where at times you're like, am I even good at this? Like you kind of just start questioning things or wondering like, what am I doing with my life? Or like, does this bring any purpose to the world? And so I think um, that's really cool that how Lindsay has like played a part in that for you, because um, even like in your recent episode, just kind of hearing more of her perspective and like hearing her name in the show notes, it's just really cool to see like, dang, I already knew they were this power couple, but like, dang, here they are, like really like you hear that. And so I think it's really cool. Just like you were saying, um, having like an outsider perspective or just someone to like walk alongside you. I see that being like such a huge game changer. Yeah. Yeah. And you mentioned earlier that it was, um, you know, he, he saw some things in like your career that you didn't realize that are happening now. What are some of those things that, that he, that he shared that you didn't realize <laughs> what's going to happen later oh, on? Oh man. So I'll say the first one, cause it's not true. I'm not, it's not true, but it hasn't happened yet. Okay. 
But at like 17, he was like, Jack, one day you're going to be a millionaire. I was like, okay, what the heck? That's a huge statement. So we'll see. Hopefully that, you know, that one uh, might, may take some time. Yeah. But um, yeah, I was like, okay, that's, you know, pretty bold statement. And then he's all here like showing me YouTube videos of, you know, influencers and how they do their thing and how I can do that with journalism and soccer. And then another thing that he, um, I just remember him like really emphasizing that I'm going to have influence on people. Oh, this, yeah. So this is what it is. Before like influencers were like really a thing. Um, he was like, Jack, you're going to be the soccer influencer. And like people are going to be going to you for the news of like what's happening in women's soccer. And he was like, one day players are going to be like asking you to interview them. And I'm like, what the heck? Like, that's not how it works, but yeah. okay, we'll see what happens. And then, um, yeah, in 2019, at the end of that, on Christmas Day, he was over my house, and we were just talking about women kick balls, and he was like, I think a year from now, you can have 500 email subscribers, and I was like, yeah, right, like, that's so insane, like, I only have, like, 50, I mean, how could that even happen, but that's, what, like, the thought that came in my mind, mm-hmm. but out loud, I was like, oh, uh, yeah, okay, sure, let's do it, I guess, and um, so in a year, I got, you know, a little over 500, and it was just, like, in shock, because for him, he was like, yeah, like, let's do it, and he really emphasized, um, you know, he wanted, he had this idea of like, I think how you can achieve this goal is by like doing public speaking engagements mm-hmm. and whatnot. And then of course we all didn't know it was going to happen in 2020. Yeah. And so <laughs> um, I actually had a lot of, I guess, like speaking engagements on podcasts and uh, magazine features and whatnot. And so I feel like that was kind of, you know, very similar. And so, yeah, I just really saw like, yeah, going on podcasts and like people asking me my perspective on journalism or women's soccer and getting to talk about these things, just the exposure of that. And I was like, man, he was right. Like all along, even if it, you know, wasn't necessarily like public speaking or like whatever, um, it's still the same concept. And so I think that um, has allowed me to get more confident and more excited in what I do, just because oftentimes, I'm sure you know this, you're just like glued to a computer doing your thing in the zone and it can get very easy to just get wrapped up in, in that like momentary work and then not really see the full influence or outside perspective of how people are affected by it or just what they have to say about it. Absolutely. No, I, I love that too. Just like speaking that thing into existence and then just doing yeah. the work to get there. And I mean, I'll say this, to have 500 email subscribers, like it's a grind. So I mean, shout out to <laughs> you, you know what I'm saying? Like it's a, that's a big deal. So um, and hopefully they grow after this. Hey, I want y'all, I'm going to put all your information out in the show notes. So Thanks. I want folks to like follow you hit you up because you do be writing some good stuff i, I read your stuff too um, i've <laughs> become a you. big big uh uh women's soccer fan um yeah. since being married to lens like she loves <laughs> loves loves soccer but um mm-hmm. i've become a really big fan myself so um yeah she even has like the og like soccer blanket she was saying like from her high school days or something yes. i was like man that is like you know you're hardcore when you got a soccer blanket, yeah you know? <laughs> <laughs> did Sorry. she did she tell you what i got her for um her birthday yeah, the Mia Ham shout yeah, out. That yeah, was yeah. So cool. like, <laughs> yeah. Dang, you were on it. No, shout good. out Cameo. Like I told her, I told her like months before I got it, I said, This is gonna change your life. <laughs> <laughs> She's like waiting in anticipation. <laughs> yeah, I'm telling her. And she really I it has. So um, Yeah, that was awesome. Yeah, yeah. So um no, that's that's so dope. So I mean we're talking we're already talking about soccer, so let's like go ahead and get into it. I I'm really curious because I, I wasn't I, I wasn't Honestly, like I've been an athlete literally all my life, like since I was like seven years old playing sports, um, baseball, basketball, um, track, football, all that stuff. And so I think for me, honestly, when there was um, there was a chick named Jacqueline and I used to play, I played baseball with her and played uh, kickball together 
in elementary school. And she was the best athlete by far, like be, the best athlete, like in the entire school. And so for me, it was just like natural for, for that to happen, like for, for females to be like athletes and be like really good and like respect that, you know what I'm saying? But like now that I'm an adult and like looking at this and like there's like professional leagues, there's just like these gigantic differences and, and mm-hmm. humongous differences. From your perspective of being like I guess, an insider, what have you seen like the some of the biggest differences in um, men's and women's? Uh, oh yeah, this is this is a good question. I can always I can always go ham on this, so I'll try to keep it to, like. <laughs> the but um, yeah, when it comes to women's soccer, gosh, I would say the biggest difference is okay. People obviously know more so like the U.S. women's national team and the U.S. men's national team just because, you know, they play in the big tournament. So I'll kind of just go off that. But, um, yeah, so those two teams, I mean, they have the same employer, and it's just insane when you see the pay differences, like right off the bat. Mm-hmm. Um, and so to give you, like, a, kind of a stat, I guess, on that. So in 2019 on, like, Equal Pay Day, um, the U.S. women's national team, like, filed a lawsuit against their employers, U.S. Soccer. And um, in that lawsuit, I mean, there was tons of pages, but basically the main, like, fact was that the women's national team players earn a maximum of $99,000 or equivalent to, like, just under $5,000 per game. Mm. And then the men's national team players, they earn $263,320 or an average of about, like, uh, $13,166 per game. So already like just hearing that stat, it was like, I mean, I've known about, you know, the equal pay issue for years, but I think when that lawsuit came about, you just see so many people getting more like frustrated and really seeing things come to light a little bit more. And so I think, yeah, first off the bat with that, um, it really comes down to, for me, looking at the pay. And that's something that I just get like so annoyed every time that comes up. But Alongside that, I think it's not just important to look at the pay, but then to also look at, you know, what's going on. Like, why are they asking for equal pay? And I mean, if you look at the men's and women's teams, just the different stats there are. I mean, in terms of their, like, game performance, that's just incredible. Like, just yesterday, the men's national team, you know, didn't qualify for the Olympics. So, I mean, yeah, again, (laughs) like, wow, newsflash, right? And, you know, the women, they are just killing it, Um, winning four World Cups and I want to say three Olympics. And the men, I mean don't really see much on that side with like zero world cups. And so, um, yeah, I think just like right off the bat, it comes down to like looking at their performances and then their pay. And it's like, they're still doing the same, you know, job. They're doing the same sport. And then also looking at like the working conditions of like female athletes, even specifically too of like moms in, um, you know, who are, who are, uh, soccer players and just what they have to do to just like have their kid taken care of when they're out about like on games or practices. And so, I think I really look at that um, just because, too, like in college, I also studied like communication and had a whole class on like gender communication, which was like always awesome to rant about. But um, like with that, you really see a lot of just how stereotypes play a role into sports. And I think it's just, yeah, it's very like just annoying to, to see these things. Here we are like, you know, they're still happening. And um, I think what's so incredible about 
like the U.S. Women's National Team. And something that really inspired me as a teenager and wanting to write about them is just their determination to keep going. Like if you, for example, look at the 2011, um, you know, Women's World Cup final against Japan, we lost in penalty kicks. Like we were killing it. And in penalty kicks, like you lose. I mean, what, you know, that's just so devastating. And then to see them obviously be crushed by that, but their mindset was like, hey, we're going to use this and we're going to come back and be better. Mm -hmm. And then it's like, you see that in the results that they they've had since then winning two back-to-back world cups and um you know an olympic and gosh it's just insane seeing like their their grit and their determination to keep going even when you know so many people just don't really see that um or believe in them and so yeah i think um even as a sports journalist like something that I really enjoy doing is bringing more recognition to the women's game, obviously, but um, also telling their stories authentically. I think um, in the media side of it, I also see so many differences where men's players, they get so much coverage and you look at the women's side and it's like, well, where is that coverage or where is that accurate coverage? Um, even more so because a lot of player, like people or journalists take things out of context, especially like, you know, last uh, or 2019 World Cup with Megan Rapino and, um, you know, her whole deal in the White House, like so much that got taken out of context. Um, and so I think, yeah, when I just look at the sport in general, I think there's so many aspects of the stereotypes and thinking that women like athletes just aren't that good or like women's soccer is boring. And the fact that, you know, ESPN has to have a whole separate thing just for women's soccer and women's sports. And I think that inclusiveness obviously plays a huge role. So, yeah, again, I can rant about this all day, but there are some things that come to mind. No, that's that's really good. And and I, I think the – like it always goes back to me for like if you're doing a better job, you should be getting paid at the level of like you're performing, right? If And yeah. I think America is so merit-based that it's so funny when it comes down to like gender, like the, yeah. the pay disparities are so huge. I mean gender, sex – race all of those things play play a role uh and pay pay gaps there but like the women's national team the women well just let's well, just the women's national team is just mm-hmm. better like they are better than the men's national team like it is like by far not even close so mm-hmm. and they're not getting paid anywhere near what they are getting paid which is like incredibly frustrating so like what has been some of the things that you've seen that the rationale behind like them not getting paid the same because i think there's where i've missed too and I've tried to like I've tried to look, and I'm I just haven't seen any good rationale for like the the um, pay not being closer to the same. Yeah, it's very like interesting. Again, coming back to that whole lawsuit, I mean, there's tons of like documents to go through with that. Um, but kind of just the overall thing is like every few year, few years, um, you know, players they you know uh, they agree to their CBA and collective bargaining agreement, and so. Um, I mean, but they've always been, you know, trying to revise this thing for years. And so I think, um, although I don't know, like the full specific details of what that looks like, actually, I think that CBA is coming um, or uh, expiring soon. So they should be, you know, coming up with a new one, which I'm sure they have a lot of like, additions to make to it. But um, basically, a lot of people how they um in a sense try to combat the whole like equal pay thing is like, oh, well, their CBA doesn't say this and that. But it's like, well, why is it that they have to like, you know, advocate for the bare minimum of what women players should be getting? Mm-hmm. And so a lot of people will kind of go back to the whole CBA, you know, aspect of it, which sure I get, but you know, if things, you know, collective bargaining agreements are kind of being passed down by generations of, you know, the female soccer players from before them. It's like, if you look back, gosh, until like 
the 90s, I mean, these women were also like struggling with equal pay. Mia Hamm herself almost walked away from the U.S. Women's National Team because of these issues. And so the fact that someone like her stuck around but was also continuing to advocate for them, it's just very, yeah, it's very frustrating that like U.S. soccer and the higher ups who basically kind of also have control and are part of that collective bargaining agreement. Like, they're also not fully, again, like, giving or allowing these things to happen of what should be taking place. So that's kind of, like, one of the, like, initial things that I think of is a CBA, which, again, fully doesn't justify anything, really. Yeah. Um, but then you also have, yeah, I don't even know. It's it's really that. And then, of course, like, the stats of um, TV viewership, which it's funny because it's, like, I also feel like those stats blow men's games out of the water. But, um, again, don't know how that makes logical sense of, like, oh, the women don't have, like, that much greater TV stats, so let's put them on, you know, channels that are harder to find. But, I mean, when you look at the results and just the fan base, I mean, people want to watch these games. So if you're not helping them and, you know, providing access to these more accessible channels, then how are they going to grow if you're putting them in this already, like, smaller pool of just narrowing their potential for, like, viewership stats? And so, again, you see a lot of stats where they're just, you know, making historical records when it comes to TV viewership. So it is kind of crazy to just, like, when if you were to read those documents or, you know, scroll on uh, on Twitter and, of course, see all these crazy, like, thoughts and people, like, people who have just wild things to say about it. It's very just like, oh, my gosh, I aged myself 10 years just by reading this stuff. Yeah. But, um, yeah, it's just crazy. So those are just some things that come to mind. And, of course, you know, there's people who are just like, oh, women's sports is boring. Nobody cares. But it's like um well that's not exactly what the numbers say so yeah it's it's a lot of just kind of craziness mixed into one yeah that's that's just wild to me because i mean yeah anyways all right (laughs) we'll just move on whatever um but you you mentioned like uh you dropped you did a couple name drops and i'll just say you did interview me ham that's still dope um um, i would say i I want i want to know because you mentioned me ham um there was some pretty big uh names that were involved in um bringing about the lawsuit Against the, uh, oh, why am I blanking? The Federation. Thank you, thank you. <laughs> um, against the Federation. So Megan Rapino, Alex Morgan, like a lot of those, a lot of those bigger names. I'm curious, how have you seen like professional athletes, in particular these women athletes, like using their platforms to raise awareness oh, yeah. of that, the equal pay issue, but also any other issues that, you know, they care about? Yeah, for sure. I think, um, yeah, when you look at the equal pay lawsuit, I feel like a lot of stuff not stemmed from that, but you really again saw those players of like Alex Morgan and Megan Pino and and Christian Press and them really like stepping up to the plate and kind of being like the faces of this lawsuit. And so I think even back in in 2019 when that came about, it was just like yeah, I think it was just so incredible, even as a journalist covering this, but just to see them um, be so like strong and adamant about what they're what they're doing, what they're fighting for, and um, you know, not to just, I feel like, again, you can easily go into the stereotypical route of like, oh, women are just like, you know, complaining or like whatever. But it's like, I don't see that as them like complaining or like having a pity party. I see it as them like advocating and like advocating enough to like respect themselves and their teammates and yeah, really fighting for equality and like not just giving it like a half-hearted effort, but really going for it. I think that takes a lot um of character to do that and strength because I mean who knows like I think even with Megan Rapinoe kneeling you know at times when that was a huge deal in like 2016 I mean she also didn't play in some games and you know there's a whole thing of like oh did that affect it like maybe who knows but I think when it comes to the players um, I'm always just like blown away at what they do off the field because I think 
specifically with women's soccer it's not just like oh they have a lot of shiny trophies and like cool medals but they have like a lot of um impact on what they're doing off the field and yeah I just think it's really cool even uh, last year how women's soccer was the first um American sport to successfully come back since since the pandemic um, outbreak and with women's soccer, I mean, you saw just so much going on from the tournament level to then, you know, the national team playing in, in late November and throughout that entire time. I mean, these players were doing so much off the field when it came to, you know, the black lives matter movement and even just like other things with COVID of, um, you know, helping these different like organizations that partner around like uh hunger things and whatnot and, and feeding families. And so I always am just, yeah, like tripping out of like, wow, these women are really more than just athletes. And I think so often you hear just that common phrase of like, well, stick to sports. And it's like, but they're people, like they're people first. They're not, you know, they weren't probably sure they were like played soccer from a young age or something, but like they came out of the womb as people with feelings, emotions, and like, mm-hmm. sure, like being an athlete is a huge part of their life. But yeah, I think who they are as women and not just like very powerful and like, you know, go-getter women. I think um, just like the determination that they have is something that I always just, again, I'm like blown away by it because they like don't take no for an answer. And I don't mean that in like they are asking of too much. I mean that in like they know their worth, they know what they're fighting for. And so I think it's just a matter of seeing like who else is ready to like support them. Um, But you see that a lot. I mean, even Alex Morgan just recently like launched her own like media company with some other powerful like female athletes. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, it looks dope. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And so it's just like things like that are popping up everywhere. And it's just really cool to see these women, um, especially these older veterans and what they're doing um, just off the field and um, how they're kind of transitioning into this, you know, after like retirement phase. But I think like even something as simple as like that media outlet, like you're going to see that just be such a game changer because these women know like what that struggle is like and um, they have so much experience to back it up. Whereas, I mean, you know, there's major news sources and it's all just ran by money and politics and sure people have jobs, but are those sort like stories and sources always accurate? No. And so I think finding the right way of how to display context and displaying these women in the media is so important just because again, it goes beyond just like a like on Instagram or, you know, like going like a viral on Twitter. It really does play effect into how people shape women's sports. And so yeah, those are just some ways where I see these women and I'm like, man, they're they're killing it. So yeah. who knows what's next? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I, I feel too, it's like going back to like that more than an athlete movement, you know what I'm saying? Of, you know, I, I feel like there's there were others that like really put that on the map. I mean, that have just like just a massive platform. Um, yeah. uh, the names that come to mind, they're guys, but like Kyrie Irving, um, Kevin Durant, mainly LeBron of just yeah. like, yo, I'm more than an athlete. And, it, and I feel like it kind of really picked up speed, steam in the last four years with even like mm-hmm. Megan, Megan Rapinoe too, of, of just like, you know, her response and, you know, our last president. Like yeah. tweeting at her and attacking her is just like what? <laughs> um, same thing with LeBron. He came out LeBron. I'm just like this is just outrageous. Like yeah. <laughs> um, but it is. It, it's depth. It, um, people, human beings. Um, they're more than just what they can do on a field or on a court or or what they can do with like you know, um, like running fast. You know what I'm saying? Like you said it. It's mm-hmm. it's it's uh, it's just so funny how we could see these people do incredible things and think that that is the only thing that they're capable of doing 
Like right. that's that's it. Like you can't do anything else. Like <laughs> yeah, putting them in a box. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And like for us, like even there's things that we're really talented at. Like we don't do it for a professional career, but you know what I'm saying. Like, right. but we have we're we're nuanced. We have depth. We have um just a wide range of things. We're complex, and so to yeah. to have like reactions like that of like why are you doing this? Like stop. It's just like it doesn't show. It doesn't show a, um, an in-depth thinking about what you're actually seeing. Like you don't see them as human beings is what I'm saying. Right. Like you don't see, you only see them as pure entertainment. And when your pure entertainment starts talking about serious stuff, then it's a problem. You know what I'm saying? And it doesn't matter yeah. what topic they're talking about. It's just a serious topic in general. Yeah. And people kind of get not like freaked out, but like, oh, wait a second. What did you just say? You know, it's not related to your your paycheck or like what you do on the field. And so like it's kind of just a common phrase on on Twitter where it's like, whoa, so Twitter, like all these crazy women soccer fans. And gosh, when you go on there, like I said, you'll age yourself for sure. But there's some things that are just so outrageous because you have like some very hardcore, passionate you know, fans, but then you also have people who are literally just like looking up these hashtags related to women's soccer people. And man, they're just going for it and like attacking people like crazy. But um, it is really kind of like just sad to see people um, like literally idolize like athletes as just athletes. Mm-hmm. And I think something that I've learned a lot in my work and in interviewing these athletes is I always just like treat them like people. I mean, sure, I get super nervous <laughs> as I'm talking to them, but um, I, as you know, in the media, they literally like, you can get your credentials taken away if you're over here asking for like an autograph or trying to take a selfie, like there's consequences to doing these things. And so, um, as a media, you really do have to be professional and, um, you know, not like try to like become besties with these people, but I mean, sure that could probably happen, but, um, you really have to like, just in your character and what you do be professional. And so I think, um, you know, kind of being trained in that side and really seeing it firsthand, it's, it's really made me like more excited to see these women after the game because man, they're so passionate or I'm talking to a player and they start joking with me. I'm thinking, what the heck am I going to get my credentials taken away from like making them laugh? I don't know, but they start joking with you and you really see their personality. And so I think it's really, I'm always just reminded of, of that. And especially with what I do specifically when it comes to working with coaches or players as a journalist, people have their heavy, like passionate thoughts about this, but I actually send them a first draft beforehand. Mm. And a lot of journalists won't do that because they have their reasons of like, you know, the story is how it is, like it's not changing. But for me, I always just send that first draft because I want to make sure specifically with these women that one, everything's in context. Um, Again, kind of going back to that theme of, of just how the media portrays things. I think we've obviously seen how that impacts our lifestyle and whatnot. But with sports, I mean, I think it's still important because, again, you're breaking these stereotypes. You're showing these women's stories um, in more than just like a clickbait thing. It's like, hey, these are who they are as people. And so I always, always do that and make sure that they're good with everything. Even if they want to change something as simple as a quote or like whatever, I always just make sure they see it because I think it's important to give them that respect and to – yeah, tell their stories accurately because again, if you look at men's coverage, I'm sure it sounds great and there's probably no like errors in it. But um, when it comes to the woman's side, it's a totally different ball game. So just kind of being adamant about those things, I think, is so important um, when it comes to looking at players off the field. Got you. Do you feel like there's like a higher standard? You know what I'm saying? Because people already look down on women's soccer, that there's like a higher standard that they have to hold themselves up to even you know even you as a journalist um covering Mm. women's sports yeah I think for sure you see that standard um and again because I I predominantly cover the women's I definitely see more more of one side than the other but um yeah I think in 
like the recent press conferences that I've been in, just the heaviness of certain things of like journalists literally asking players like, hey, why did you stand? And what does that mean to you? Mm-hmm. And it's like, OK, I'm, I'm wondering how these press conferences look for the men's side, you know, just curious. But uh, I think there is a different standard just because, again, with like women athletes, like a lot of them are very outspoken and that can kind of be like going against the grain of what society says. Um, I'm hoping that's just a new normal women are like, you know, passionate about speaking out against things and whatnot, but that's not always the case. And so I feel like even as a journalist, I, um, yeah, tend to like kind of hold myself to a higher standard of like, I'm not just going to be this journalist that publishes something right away without proofing it or, um, whatever. And so I think depending on, again, like the organization that you're working for or publication and what that looks like, you do kind of just see the standard of, of these women because they're champions. And I mean, they just have like so much credit to their, to their name as a team and their accomplishments. And so I think it is just something where even when I walk in on like on a game day, I am just like so nervous. Like, man, these are like legends and they're like making history. And so I think it's just really cool to, to see that side of it. Um, but yeah, to be documenting it, gosh, it's like, I don't take what I do lightly. I'm always like very, um, you know, cautious of like making sure that this is the right thing or, um, you know, taking time to really like get the story straight because again, I don't want to ever, ever leave things out or, um, yeah, just have a bad rap, um, of, of a story and, and what that looks like, especially when it comes to, to talking about a player and, and documenting their story. Mm. Have you I ever that made that, lot. have you ever made that, uh, have you ever made that mistake before? Oh yeah. Um, <laughs> when I first started out, oh gosh. And it was terrible because I was writing for another publication mm. and, um, which sure like scold me and like help me, but don't just like chew me out and then like leave me out to dry and then tell me, Hey, you're making me work too much as an editor. Like I always have to edit your work. It's like, well, by the way, you're an editor. So that's kind of what you do. Yeah. But <laughs> like, yeah, like I want to learn. And I think, um, when I was at this publication in my early days, yeah, I just got chewed out like every time, even if it was sure, like a spelling error or something like, yeah, those things are important. But again, I think it really comes to how people respond. And that's something that I've taken away is like, you know, if I do branch out and have writers for me, I never want to just like put them on the spot and bash them of their mistakes. I want to teach them and like show them um, and really help them learn and grow as writers. Because again, like I want to learn, but um, I think when you're writing for free for a publication and dedicating hours of your time, like, you know, there's got to be some, <laughs> some healthy boundary there. And yeah, so absolutely. Yeah, I have that. It was like, oh my gosh. So yeah, learn the hard way, but hoping I think with women kickballs to really like that's why I think it's so important for me now is to really like get things right and, and take the time to look over it just because now as an independent news source, I don't have an editor. It's just me. And so if that ever comes back to me, it's like I gotta make sure I'm like ready to to fix things or to kind of, you know, mend whatever relationship um, you know, with the team or something and kind of like be mindful of that. How long has uh, Women Kick Balls been around? It's been around for about two years now at this point, yeah, right? Yeah, two years. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Congratulations. Big deal. Thanks. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, during your time, I would imagine that, you know, um, you have seen just like some things printed and you're like, you were there in the room, right? You were there in the room. Yeah. You heard and you're just like, what the heck? That's not how that went. How have you like, you know, have you approached that? Have you seen that happen? What, what, like, what do you do in a circumstance like that? Because I feel like it can get a little... Um, a little messy tricky. yeah it's messy <laughs> absolutely messy is better oh yeah um yeah actually recently something happened and I actually have like a group chat with like three other women who I met at you know game days and um we all kind of have our own thing so it's nice that we're like on a quote-unquote smaller scale of the media but 
Um, these women, I look up to them so much because they have taught me so many things just on game days. But we'll have like this group chat where we can just like be honest and be like, what the heck? Like, did you see what so-and-so posted? <laughs> what does that even mean? And like, you know, we just kind of go off and like laugh at things. So I think for like me, that has helped me to keep my sanity because if not, um, yeah, I think like when I look at journalists and other people in the media, you see them on game days, you see their human side of who they are. Um, and then you, again, also see them as a journalist or the media in general. And so to kind of see that human side and just the way that they treat you, whether or not they say hello to you or like ignore you in the, in the same room. And then they're like off trying to like be besties, you know, with these players or, or fans. It's just like, okay, I see your true colors. But, mm. um, I think as, yeah, in the media, I'm always observing, like not even just because I'm the media, I've always done that, you know, being the youngest and having two older siblings, you just kind of sit back and like see what mistakes are going to (laughs) make and, you know, kind of learn from it. So I've always naturally done that. But um, yeah, when it comes to media stuff, gosh, there are some things where I'm like, okay, that just doesn't like sound right or like you actually did this when you were like tweeting against that or something. Mm. And so at times I kind of like had to hold my tongue because, um, I always think about the context. Um, even though I see a tweet or see something online, like I don't fully know the whole story behind that unless I'm talking directly to that person. And 99.9% of the time, I'm not talking directly to that person. So although things can be annoying or I just kind of laugh of like, really? Like that's what you said about this person or did this? Um, it's often just kind of having to like hold yourself together and like really focus in and on your thing and making sure that you're doing your coverage right or that you're doing your homework or that you're just simply treating people with respect in the same like world of things because um, things get spread around real quick when it comes to soccer media people. And so always just wanting to be respectful and like maintain that professional reputation is something that I think about. But yeah, it's well, it can get very messy. Thankfully, I haven't had to deal with anything insane. Yeah. But um, yeah, it's it can get crazy. That's so funny. <laughs> yeah, I, I, because I, I, I mean, I, I'm just thinking of some of the stuff that I, I hear, and I'm just like, at this point, I no longer believe it until like that player says it. Like when that player yeah. says that, uh-huh. or it actually happens, then I will believe right. this. Because like, there's it's just so much, and like before, I just used to just take it at face value. Yeah, I know you can't. Yeah, you can't. Mm -hmm. And so, like, I'm just like, wow, there's some people just have such a lack of journalistic integrity. I'm so glad I'm talking to you. And you're telling me (laughs) that you have a high level of journalistic integrity and want to even sending drafts to, like, the people that you're interviewing and talking to. I appreciate that so much Mm because you just don't see it that often. And you're just like, yeah, we got a rumor going on that so-and-so is going to get traded or this is happening or this is what's going on in your personal life. And you're like... And that player probably doesn't even know, like, what's going on with the stag. It's like, you know, they probably have to move across the country because of this trade. And, like, someone just broke this news and they're figuring it out and hearing it for the first time. Like, Like, it's insane. Yeah, just some of the stories of just... um, Because, you know, like, a lot of athletes are starting their own podcasts and stuff like that. Yeah. And you're hearing, like, some of the worst things I've heard is, like, I I was on a date with my wife. And some random stranger came up or I was on a date with like my partner. I was I was like mowing my lawn and so and so just came up to me and told me, like, did I know that I got traded? It's just oh like <laughs> just these random things. They're in the grocery store. I, I think I heard a story yeah. of somebody in the grocery store. Um he got oh, a ping man. and he's like, I got traded or, or yeah, <laughs> something like that. But that's just so tough that like they are not having a conversation. And so I'm just curious. and even journalism is just our journalists are just like, yo, like they fall into that trap. I just see, I can imagine like it's an easy trap to fall into. Oh, for sure. Even like, um, recently they had the college draft or the NWSL draft in January. And 
I mean, that was just a crazy day. I remember being on Zoom, Twitter, my notes all on like one screen. Mm. And um, I mean, when you're on the Zoom room, you're just kind of waiting around until the players and coaches come through. And I remember this trade happened and we were speaking to the coach and someone was like, hey, by the way, who is this player that was traded, you know, in this thing? And he was like, I can't say, like, I want to respect the player and, like, make sure they know first. Like, I don't even think they've been notified. And they were like, okay, but, like, if it is this player, like, can you blink or something? And it's like, no, like, like just, like, that's not how it works. Yeah. <laughs> as much as you're trying to, like, be funny or, like, want to lead on a story, like, I think it's just a matter of two patients as a journalist. And, you know, sometimes you, like, you see things going on in the media and you're like, man, I could have had that lead or I could have had that breaking news like piece, but like just waiting around and, and sometimes you have to just depending on what the case is. But yeah, it is interesting. I'm sure like you were saying, seeing like basketball and like soccer, just kind of this whole mix of, of how it works on on the player side and the media side. I'm sure there's like a lot of differences and like similarities too in that. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So like even for, for just like the sport, right? Like you watch this sport, you know, um, as part of like of the many things that you do, what what has been some of the biggest misconceptions about like professional women's soccer that you've that you've noticed since covering? Yeah, gosh, there there's quite a few. <laughs> um, I would say when it comes to kind of like how we were talking about earlier, like the sticks to stick to sports mantra, just mm-hmm. because even growing up, I mean, like watching these players, and yeah, I think as a kid, you really just see the game. You don't. I mean, when I was a teenager, like watching this starting out, um, I didn't know anything about politics and like fully understand equal pay. So I kind of just saw, yeah, the game of it. But now I think um, becoming an adult and like being a journalist and whatnot, um, you definitely see just like how that affects players, what they have to say about it. And so I think I really just, yeah, have seen like women using their platform and what that looks like and what that means and just the intentionality behind it. Because I think like at the World Cup, like seeing that, you know, video of Megan Rapinoe going viral of like her saying she's not going to the White House. I was thinking like, oh my gosh, like that's so crazy. And then <laughs> I was like, what the heck? And then afterwards, I'm like, yeah, I would probably say the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, like I just didn't like fully, it didn't fully click for me just because I was always like, oh, politics and sports, two completely different playing fields. Mm-hmm. And it's like, actually, that's not the case because I mean, we've seen it so much within this past year or so. And, you know, players using their their platforms not in just politics, but um, even social justice issues and like just so many things like a realm of it, um, you know, fighting or helping um, causes when it comes to um, just organizations in their cities. And like, there's so many different things. And so I think I really, yeah, this past like two years um, have really seen what that looks like more. And um, I think too, like having press conferences after these games uh, through Zoom lately, you just really see the players' first response or you see players getting very emotional talking about things and, and how it affects them. And so it's definitely made me like really, um, I guess, appreciate them more as people and just what they're doing because they don't have to be, you know, be wearing a Black Lives Matter shirt or sweater on the field. They don't have to be talking about this cause that's close to their home. They could just, you know, put their head down, play the game and win. Um, or they can like do that and then also be like using their voices and like even their social media channels, how we were talking about earlier. I was talking to a player recently and she was like, you know, as a player, I feel like that's my job to like advocate on social media. And um, it was just really cool because she was like, a, she's a Christian athlete. And I think Christian in like women's soccer culture gets such a bad rap. Um, but she's like such a cool player. And she was like, 
tweeting like, yeah, I was watching the soccer game, very upset. So I cussed at the screen and I just went upstairs and like went to bed and I was like, dang. But then like the next day she's over here talking about like how Christians, we need to stop putting these little Jesus band-aids and labels on everything. And I'm like, dang, like she's a real one. And so I think you see players like that um, and just what that looks like for them outside of the field. Um, Again, when it comes to culture or gender and there's so many things, but I think it's been really um, like fascinating and interesting to kind of like, obviously, that's my world of, like, seeing these players, but to also see, like, this human side of them and to learn from them, too, about the resources that they share and, and kind of, like, pick and choose, like, a lot of different things and um, obviously kind of, like, then shape my own perspective or understanding of it. So, yeah, there's so much, too. I think that they're, like, educating people beyond soccer, but also about the world <laughs> what's going on. Yeah. And so I think it's really cool just to see that happening. That's so dope. For me, you know, if me and Linz have kids, especially if they have, if we have girls, like they're for sure yeah. playing soccer. Like I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, and if they become, if they, uh, if they become professional athletes, what my hope is that they're at least getting paid. You know, right? Because yeah. equally, like how how do we as like fans of the sport like support these women and their their um, these athletes in their in their struggle to get equal pay? Like, what would you say yeah. suggest to us to do? Yeah, I would say the first thing is subscribe to Women Kickballs. I'm just there we kidding. go. <laughs> um, yeah, you can. Um, I would say that, yeah, it really comes down, I think, when you, in terms of, like, supporting, I always look at, like, um, I could try to look, look at all the pieces. Maybe that's just, I don't know, being a journalist. But look at, okay, you have these, like, players of the U.S. Women's National Team. We also have, like, the National Women's Soccer League, which is the club level in America. Um, and so I look at those two teams, and then I look at the player – like associations that each team has. And so um, for me, because like the players association, obviously that's like the players themselves, like, you know, um, sharing things, like speaking out on stuff. And so I always like look at those voices and who's represented in those circles and um, kind of just start there because again, it's not like not sugarcoated is a word, but it's not like, um, you know, like federation approved, I guess, quote unquote, of like what you get um, because it's the players. Whereas like, you know, you look at the leagues and they obviously have their PR statements that sound all nice and fancy, but it's like, well, what do the players say? Because they are in it and they, you know, see the real things that are happening. I'm not saying that the leagues are like covering all this stuff up, but I think it's important to really look at that starting point. And then, yeah, of course, like supporting the women's game. And um, I always like advocate for the NWSL because I feel like a lot of people don't really know what it is. They're always just like, oh yeah, like Megan Rapinoe or Rose Lavelle and like are naming all these national team players. But it's like, yeah, those national team players also make up the NWSL more. And so I always think it's really important to go back to the club level and look at what teams are there. And yeah, I mean, the league is growing. Like we got 10 teams right now and we got another team on the way in LA. I so can't wait, LA, LA yes. <laughs> Me and Liz are going to be, we're going to, we're going to be oh, t- yeah. season ticket holders for sure. Like 100%. Yeah. yeah we're so excited. <laughs> so excited. Oh, cool. It's oh. going to be right here. They're going to be right. Anyways. Yeah. yeah I'm so excited. Anyways. <laughs> Angel City FC. Let's, let's get go. it. Let's get it. Yeah. Right. So, so many exciting things. I think, yeah, like just doing that, like finding a team or finding all the teams and like, just like rooting for all of them. I know that sounds kind of biased, but um, just supporting those leagues and those teams, I think it's so important. And I always encourage people to like buy merch because that really helps things grow. And so like, 
like recently I did a giveaway for like women kick balls and I was like, yo, those NWSL sweaters looking kind of comfy. Like I also don't want to like, you know, go all decked out on gear because I'm still like trying to be professional. But um, yeah, I definitely bought a sweater for myself and then one for the giveaway, of course. But like, you know, just buying those things and showing your support um, and like watching games, even if it's just highlighting like highlight reels or on Twitter or Instagram and like I know it sounds weird, but like social media engagement does help um, help them grow. And so I think even just if you can't watch a game, like go watch the highlights and like it on Instagram or Twitter or something. So those are just kind of like the practical things that come to mind um, in supporting women. And yeah, I mean, sure, there's a whole bunch of other things, but I feel like those are the most fun. So I might as well mention those ones. I love it. I love it. All right. This is the last question I got for you. Okay. Do you have a professional um, athlete's phone number yet? You don't have to I tell do, me who. I, you don't have to tell me who. Just okay. Do you, <laughs> I have a few. Um, I, knew I knew it. You're in. You're an insider. Wow, you're an insider. Yeah, so I got a few, and definitely like you know when I'm going through my contacts and stuff, I'm like, oh yeah, there is that person's number. Like mm-hmm. maybe I should delete it. I don't know. Maybe I should just like hold off because you never know if you're gonna get an interview with them again. But yeah, sometimes like when you're asking for interviews, you get like player's number or maybe I don't know if they like hide it or make it look like a real number. I don't know, Google Voice or something. But I'm like, yo, I got this coach's player's number. Like that's pretty cool, but got to be sure not to call it because that'd be so awkward. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you would get blocked really fast. Yeah, <laughs> they'd be like, nope, no thanks. <laughs> Well, that's awesome well thank you so much for coming on like i really really appreciate it like i i learned yeah. a lot like i'm ready to watch a game right now i might go check out some highlights um Do but I, yeah. I would love for you to just like plug everything that folks can find you i want to like have my folks support you and what you're doing because you're doing some dope work um thanks and also just subscribe to your newsletter because it's great yeah um yeah so all like social media Facebook, Instagram, Twitter is all at Woman Kick Balls. And with Twitter specifically, you get um you'll get like exclusive access to like the press conferences and I like live tweet what's going on in that. So I feel like that's always just a fun thing to see because you're literally getting what I'm getting <laughs> when I'm talking to this player or something. So Twitter, like I would say hop on that. But yeah, everything else is just at Woman Kick Balls website womankickballs.com like Jonathan said you subscribe you also get a free sticker I'm in the process of getting new stickers because got a new logo yes, recently it looks so. so good that new logo <laughs> oh my gosh I was like not hiding it but like it was just in my phone for months like oh when do I like share this and kind of had to wait but yeah I'm really excited about that because it was taking some time to get done kind of picky about things but um yeah really excited for how that's kind of just like bringing more excitement and um like consistency to the branding of things so um yeah i guess that too like ig has a new facelift on that so um if you're into aesthetics like hopefully you find it there but um yeah so those are just some ways to find it nice all right nice well thank you so much i'm really really excited for you really excited to continue to watch your career grow um and what the women's women's national not national team well, women's. I'm really excited to watch women's soccer again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's just all in good. person. Yeah, Thanks yeah. So much. <laughs> uh, awesome. All right. Thank you so much. Yeah, of course. Listen, y'all. I feel like we all need an Uncle Joe in our life. You know, someone who continues to gas us up, speaking life over our dreams, and even speaking things into existence that we don't see. You know, it it, it changes. How we approach life, it changes how we approach our work, how we approach even chasing our dreams. I feel like to a certain extent, it even makes us appreciate 
what we work for that much more. And that's a major reason why I appreciate Jackie's approach to her work. It is her humility and integrity in her craft, but it's also her drive that has built such a dope platform. And yes, she gets to interview literal legends in the world of soccer, but she is making sure that the athletes are represented authentically, even if that means she's not breaking the story first. And as Jackie shared, that doesn't always happen. There are plenty of media outlets that will just put out things that are taken out of context or write a provocative headline just to get clicks at the expense of athletes. And this actually happens so much more for women and don't even get me started on women of color. Just, I'm just, the first thing that comes to mind is Shikari Richardson. On top of all that, women by and large get paid less. They deal with more and get paid less. It's just wild to me. We can do better. As individuals, we can do better. As fans, we can do better. And as a society, we can damn sure do better. Now, I know Jackie was spitting absolute facts about the ongoing legal battle over equal pay, but there is also a documentary that was recently released on HBO Max called LFG. Let's fucking go. (laughs) Uh, I highly recommend it. I am very certain that this case will end up in front of the Supreme Court. It was just tossed out by a federal judge um, last year, so there is an appeal already on its way. Um, It's going to work its way up for sure to the Supreme Court. This will have drastic implications, not only on the equal pay in sports, but in every single profession. Mark my words. Um, Yeah, so that is all I have for y'all today. Uh, Don't forget to join the Real Fam Patreon page. Um, And there is also still room for the RTWD coaching cohort starting in the next few weeks. I put a link for both of those things in the show notes. Also, don't forget to check out Jackie at Women Kick Balls. All of her information and socials are down in the show notes as well. Check her out. Subscribe. You get a free sticker. Her her media and and merch is dope. But um, until next time, y'all, this podcast was produced by myself, Jonathan Dumas, and additional production help by the incomparable Lindsay Dumas, with music by the oh-so-talented Tony Deras. And don't forget to like, subscribe, share, and leave a review. It really helps folks discover the show. I'll talk to y'all soon. Peace.